Today you find me where I call home. I'm out on a small walk, meandering through the streets of beautiful little Luxembourg. And as I'm heading back home to wash the day's dishes, I'm just kind of thinking about how we've come to live in such an incredibly unique and crazy time in history. The temporary new norm for many of us who are not fighting on the front line of this pandemic consists of waking up to uncertainty of what lies ahead and I don't know about you but a serious longing to get back to the life we had a few few months ago and uh, just like many of you I've set up my office and recording studio in my small kitchen just a few blocks away I connect with my co-workers mainly via teams or FaceTime I chat to my family and friends far and wide on WhatsApp And I try to get out of my home every single day to stretch my legs a bit. Of course, keeping that social distance measures in place. Throughout 2020, many of us have realized we have so much to be grateful for on the average day to day. Just to be around friends, family, I mean, even strangers. But you know, it's also in times like these that even the smallest acts of kindness are able to make a huge difference. Despite adversity, uncertainty, and plenty of economic worry, people want to make each other feel better. They want to be part of making things better. And that kind of got me thinking. Like, the difference we could make at SES. How could we tap into the resources and connections we have to have a positive impact across the world? So that's the story of this podcast episode. The small and the big things that SES is doing with its market knowledge to make sure that everyone receives the information they need. Vital health updates that everyone should be entitled to access and a platform to shout about the positive acts of kindness taking place around the world to make all of us smile a little bit more than we have been maybe in the last few months. This is the story of the difference being made by my colleagues, our partners, and a free-to-air satellite TV channel. Welcome to Satellite Stories. I'm your host, Christina Smith-Meyer. Morning, Andre. How are you doing? Hey, I'm good. How are you? Yeah, fine. Thank you. Hey, did you get a chance to check on the ISR opportunity? Um, yeah, actually, I've been in touch with uh, my contact over there, and I have a feeling we'll be able to shoot for um, maybe October time. Take your story anywhere. That's the brand promise of SES these days. And right now, stories, whether good or bad, are being captured on the news programs and documentaries to be stored in our history books for years to come. That good. Okay, good. All right, so then I'll be in touch soon. Bye. Bye. We've never been busier at SES. From increasing the portfolio offering and expanding our network, it's pretty obvious that more of us, those people working from home, are demanding faster and better quality connections than before. Building solid connections is what we do and have done for several decades. But this isn't an episode to boast about how we do the nuts and bolts within our industry or about the size of my TV a few feet away, or the quality of my internet during another video conference call. It's about exposing the little stories, 
that you don't necessarily hear on the news or read in the papers. It's about highlighting the difference our partners are making and how ordinary people are interpreting our services for greater good. And it's about something called the Fight COVID-19 TV channel, a space which informs those in the most remote and underserved regions about the coronavirus. But first, to give you context on how and why we did this, I need to take you back to 2014, when we created something similar, the Fight Ebola TV channel. Fight Ebola. The Ebola virus is a severe and often fatal illness in humans. The recent outbreak in part of West Africa affects everyone. It affects you. Ebola has truly affected At that time, part of West Africa was dealing with the worst Ebola outbreak in history. And together with our partners, we wanted to create a TV channel emphasizing the fact that Ebola was spreading and why everyone needed to protect themselves, as well as their families and their entire communities. If you suspect someone in your family or community has been infected with Ebola, speak with your local community. Our aim was to create understanding and do this by broadcasting educational and factual content. Stories like the 14-year-old who had survived Ebola, but her family surrounding her hadn't. And a powerful and emotional poem for the living, using animation to create a message of love to the living through an African spiritual voice. My dearest family, because you love me, I need you to stop, think, and listen. I am sick because this disease... The content was provided by numerous international media outlets, UNICEF, Doctors Without Borders, and Endibola Now. Plus, numerous endorsements from British Premier League football players with West African origins, such as Peter Odenwingi from Stoke City. The main thing you can do is wash your hands frequently with soap and water after every personal... And Emmanuel Adebayor from Tottenham Hotspurs. By going immediately to a health facility, the moment you have symptoms... You protect yourself, your family, your community, and help stop the spread. Six years ago, we learned so much. I learned so much. It was humbling to watch the difference we could make by helping educate people about the dangers of this disease, many of whom didn't realize they needed medical care before it was too late. And that was the basis of why in March of 2020, a team of colleagues and I sat down to create the Fight COVID-19 TV channel. With the lessons we'd learnt, with the media outlet connections we made, and the free-to-air satellite TV channel space we knew we could call upon, we wanted to make something happen. And we knew that it had to happen now and fast. And so the Fight COVID-19 TV channel was born. This is a channel broadcast daily, for free, to emerging markets and underserved areas across the world, especially where TV is relied upon for vital information, places like remote communities across Africa, Asia Pacific, and Latin America. In truth, for me and my team, it's a bit of a monster job to filter through hours and hours of content sent to us by our partnering agencies, but the payoff is so worth it. Let me categorize the type of content we have into three parts. In the first, there's educational and easy to understand content. 
To give you an example, there are animated videos that reflect the key elements the public need to practice when social distancing. You probably know these off by heart at this point. Ensure a minimum distance of 1.5 meters between you and another, avoid shaking hands, make sure you have your mask on, and disinfect or wash your hands before and after using your mask. But for some of these communities, this isn't a norm, and it's not something being policed within their communities. Secondly, we still have educational content, but it's a mix between animation and video. We hear from psychologists on how to manage the stresses of living through a global pandemic and how to keep your teenage kids at home motivated. And then we also have content from UNICEF where children around the world tell their stories of how they're managing day to day, demonstrating how to thoroughly wash your hands. And there are even some home science experiments, including oregano and soapy water, which long story short is showcasing the importance of hand hygiene. Let me come back to the third type of content nearer the end of this episode, because this is where I want to pause to allow space for today's guest. A chance to hear more on how and why we needed to make this project happen, but also an insight into what the aims of our partners are, like UNICEF, during a time like this. This is my conversation with Paul Heber, Chief of Communication at the Charities HQ in Luxembourg. UNICEF works um, in, in over 190 countries and territories um, all around the world um, to save children's lives. Um, we defend their rights and we help them fulfill their potential um, from early childhood through adolescence, sometimes even a little bit longer. And I think the main point of our work is that we never give up. The, as for the sort of content of the communication itself, it is at the very same time also quite emotional. Um, and I think when we talk about communi good communication material, um, emotional, uh, emotions are at the basis of every great story. So storytelling has been, um, has been part of our DNA um, ever since I remember and is in itself in, in inherently a part of what we do. Um, so it doesn't really matter uh, where in the world you are. So it could be in a refugee camp, it could be in a school in rural Cambodia or some, in, in someone's home in, in the Central African Republic. The, um, you get to experience these emotions in, in, the, in their purest forms. So most of the time, if, if not always, these are true stories that um, from, for many of the children that we meet represent a fair portion of their daily life. Um, and our challenge, I guess, is, is, not, is, is then not only to find the right angle and the right story to share with the right audience, but we always have to do that with uh, keeping the child's dignity in mind. So it's uh, incredibly clear that UNICEF obviously cover multiple important issues that are happening around the globe today. Looking specifically at COVID-19, what is being produced? So what are these stories that are currently being captured? And actually, how do content producers even manage the production? Could you tell us a little bit about that? Obviously, it's been, um, it, I think it's, it, it was impossible to prepare for, for the pandemic that we're currently in. But at the same time, um, it's always been hard for us. We were sort of used to that. So the, the trick really was to be, to be as prepared as you could. Uh, we do have a lot of experience with pandemics and other diseases, such as the Ebola crisis, uh, for instance. Um, for years, we have been at the, uh, at the forefront um, of any new outbreak, really, and um, to, help, to really help those in need. Uh, whether it, it was children themselves or other organizations who needed, who needed our support. 
Um, obviously, every outbreak, um, disease outbreak is different, but in a sense, we know what to do, or at least we figure it out fast enough. Um, so in other words, we really don't have a to force ourselves to produce material since it writes itself naturally, as I said before. It really comes down to then finding the right stories to tell or break through, and this is obviously a big problem in communication in general, to, to break through all the noise to make sure that, that we are heard or that we are heard with our specific stories. Um, so, for instance, social media in that regard has had the, uh, the in my in my eyes, the obvious benefit of democratizing uh, some some of the communication channels. And the, the quality doesn't always have to be top notch. It doesn't have to be a Hollywood production. So, as long as it's as it accurately reflects reality, which uh, by the way is crucial in our work, um, it's fine. Uh, so mobile phone videos, everybody has a mobile phone now in their pockets. It wasn't the case 10 years ago, but now it really is the case. Um, or even nowadays, drones are quite um, quite useful too in, in, in humanitarian crises, you know, where infrastructure is completely destroyed with drones. You, you still manage to, to get from, from A to B, let's say, and get your communication material faster. And uh, so um, anything goes, really, as long as we stay truthful. And because uh, basically trust is uh, is a very important currency in our work. So the whole pandemic, let's say we're sort of used to it, maybe not in this in this global scale, but we know how to deal in this, uh, how to deal with communication these, uh, in these situations. And, um, you know, uh, as long as you have a mobile phone in your, in your, in your pocket, you're sort of a uh, communication officer. So then if we look at the content that's being produced specifically as well and these stories being captured, um, could you just tell our audience a little bit about what's in that content? It's informational, it's educational, it's about awareness. Um, if you could just paint a picture of what that content is like. Sure. I mean, what happens with UNICEF is that we create a lot of content every day. I mean, it's it's massive. Um, and not not every chunk of content can be used for every audience so you you sort of always have to find the right angle i mean this is this is basically the job we have to do as communication people right so this is this is not new but at the same time it also means that uh, at the very basis we quite often produce material with certain audiences in mind so for instance when it comes to the covid crisis we do not only uh, create uh, videos where we show how to wash hands but we do create videos you know where uh, specifically for kids that are more playful so this is this makes our work certainly more complex, but it also makes it more interesting. And um, basically, what we did for COVID, so we we have this huge database of videos because, as you may know, um, it's always been a part of our work hygiene in in general. So we've always produced these um, hand washing videos. You know, if you've been working for yourself for a while, you don't think it's very exciting anymore because you keep talking about the same stuff again and again. And um, but at, I mean, it's, it's never been more accurate and more um, newsworthy, these videos than, than they are today. And so we get to reuse some of that material specifically. And that this really allowed us to, 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 to sort of effortlessly and quickly um, react to the crisis at hand and spread these different videos that we already had through the communication channels that we have in all the countries that we're active in. Um, so um, it really, when it comes down to these videos, it really there there is something for everyone. Let's say in in many different languages, many different uh, ways of talking about the issue, and um, so it's actually quite powerful in that regard. And uh, so, in in other words, we were we were able to help um, and and communicate quite quickly. 
Absolutely. I mean, when I was looking through the library, I loved the fact that there were videos that focused on how to deal with, you know, the anxieties of this whole pandemic and, you know, uh, specifically targeted for teenagers and, you know, things like that. Something that's not so obvious um, as, mm -hmm. you know, the hand washing videos. I thought I thought that was really useful and it was, um, you know, not so obvious. So I thought that that was a really great contribution to the Fight COVID-19 channel. And speaking of which, when we approached you uh, a few weeks, a few months ago to participate in this project, could you just give us your thoughts on what you thought about the initiative, why it appealed to you and why was it something that UNICEF was, you know, more than happy to participate in? Mm -hmm. we, well, we always look at ways to bring together different actors that can make important contributions for, for children. And in this regard, uh, SES certainly was, uh, with its global reach, uh, certainly was one such actor. So um, the fact that it's uh, homegrown and based in Luxembourg uh, makes it even more interesting for us, I guess. Um, but I think it's, um, it's also important to understand that we have, as an organization, we have never considered ourselves to be an island um, and to have all the solutions for all the problems in the world. So it's, it's sort of a part of our DNA, I guess, to cooperate with many different partners at uh, all possible levels. And this was one of those opportunities um, where if we got the right people together, we could have a direct impact on a very large scale without having to basically get too, too many people in the same room. So, so that was great. Um, there's never enough funds. Resources are very limited. And it really pushes you to, to be resourceful and innovative. Um, so for us, disseminating information through, in this case, um, available satellite bandwidth was fantastic because it was precisely what we were always looking for. It was innovative. Um, so on our side, we had the video material, as he had the technology, uh, and together we could have this this, this huge impact uh, for children. So in, in that regard, it was a, it was a no brainer for us. No, I couldn't agree more. I think it's been such a wonderful project to work on. And I do want to say on behalf of SES and the Fight COVID-19 uh, channel project group, um, you know, thank you so much for your participation in this initiative. We are absolutely thrilled that it all worked out so well and um, that we're hopefully, you know, helping those in hard to reach areas get that information um, that they need about COVID-19, be that washing their hands or, you know, um, speaking to the children about the importance of staying at home during this time. Thank you very much for having me and thank you very much for, for doing this together with UNICEF. Thank you. We appreciate, appreciate the help. I promised you I'd return to the third type of content we provide on the Fight COVID-19 TV channel. It's the content that makes you smile, the content that lifts you, and the content that gives you hope. More importantly, these types of videos demonstrate the strength of people and the power of helping others. To paint you a better picture, imagine a lush green surrounding in the middle of the Swedish countryside and all you have is a table for one. Beautifully laid. And then to the side of the table is a somewhat of a wicker basket landing pad with a zip line going all the way back to the kitchen window of a restaurant. It's a wonderful showcase of how people will always find a way 
In this case, a Swedish restaurant could continue its business by coming up with the concept of bort för en, or in English, table for one. Then you'll also hear from the Stay Home As Band, three Spaniards who took advantage of the lockdown to entertain millions of people online. These guys have become so successful that even Michael Bublé has done a cover of one of their songs. Beautiful, right? And that's the power of the variety of the content we share on the Fight COVID-19 TV channel. Because taking care of ourselves doesn't have to be scary. When we come together, great things can happen and can even be fun. Thanks for listening to Satellite Stories. You can find out more about the Fight COVID-19 TV channel and what we do by visiting SES. Dot com. Let's enjoy this confination.